Understanding what can create wellness can also create harm. Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Equine Body Talks, a podcast about opening the conversation on equine wellness. Join us as we dive deeper into the whole body approach for your equine performance courses. In part one of this mini-series, we chatted with Dr. Sarah Peterson, a veterinarian who has embraced bodywork as an essential part of any equine therapy team, but also is very versed in where the limitations are between what should constitute bodywork and what then becomes veterinary care. In today's episode, we'll be talking with an established equine bodyworker who has also worked in a busy equine sports-focused vet practice as a registered vet tech. She'll guide us through the ins and outs of working on both sides of the industry. As we discussed with Dr. Peterson, there are legalities to be mindful of when putting yourself out there as a body worker. It will vary again from country to country and even province to province or state to state. Our conversations we are having in this podcast reflect what is happening here in Alberta, but everyone needs to be mindful of the legislation surrounding their circumstances and how that affects your ability to work. How many times as a body worker are you called in to, quote, fix a horse that is unsound or suddenly become hurt or sick? You have been asked to guess the horse's problem without any prior history to it. People often like to test us, see how good we actually are. This happens due to a lack of understanding of where you come from educationally. Either that or they think you're a witch. (laughs) (laughs) Body work is not a substitute for veterinary care, period. Nor are body workers miracle workers that have x-ray vision into your horse to give you the answers. As we've said a number of times now in previous episodes, a firm diagnosis by a veterinarian is needed to proceed properly. In the end, the owner will be saving time and money because with a diagnosis from a vet, all team members involved can now focus directly on the horse's requirements for a speedy and successful recovery. And that usually is why body workers will get the call before a vet. The owner is trying to save themselves a a vet bill. Vet bills can be expensive, and the further you go into diagnostics to pinpoint the problem, the more they will pile up. We went over those costs, however, in episode 7. Dr. Peterson had an excellent point about comparing human human hospital costs compared to vet costs. Vets have the education – especially when you are working with an equine-specific vet who has gone on to achieve further specialized training and they have the means by way of diagnostic tools and medications to address the problem. Obviously, we're a huge proponent of body work, but its role is to be a key component in recovery and prevention, as well as an intricate part of the horse's competitive success. It needs to be pointed out again that equine bodywork, including massage therapy and all other other soft tissue modalities, are all unregulated, which means that no one practicing these modalities is licensed. So what does this mean for us that do practice bodywork? Are we operating illegally? What do we need to be to be legitimate? Often more questions than answers, as we found out in looking into this, a major rabbit hole. Dr. Peterson gave us the clarity from a veterinary standpoint, and today we wanted to look at it from a body worker's perspective, which brings us to today's episode and making sure we we all fully understand it. 
As a member of the IEBWA, International Equine Body Workers Association, I soon discovered that this organizing body was already working on facilitating this crossover in the industry. One of the key players in this conversation between the Vet Association here in Alberta and the IEBWA was Sarah Volk. Sarah began her career as a registered vet technologist for Dr. Chad Hewlett as his head technologist with Energy Equine Vet Services. Sarah is a talented, insured body worker with a strong background in biomechanics and a passion for the horses and teams of professionals she works with. Besides her designation as a registered vet tech, which she maintains yearly, Sarah is a certified EST, equine sports therapist from the BC College of Equine Therapy, EEBW2, Equinology Equine Body Worker Level 2, NKTE, Neurokinetic Therapist Equine, as well as sits on the executive board of the IEBWA and is an FEI-permitted equine therapist. So, we all started off at the same school together on this journey in equine bodywork, coming up almost 10 years. So, crazy to think that, but fun to have all three of us sitting back here together again. Can you tell those listening a little bit more about yourself, Sarah, and your background growing up around horses? Uh, Well, I grew up in Calgary, uh, which is super convenient being close to Spruce Meadows. And um, my husband and I just recently this fall moved to Cremona, Alberta, um, where we reside and we'll choose to raise our two-year-old daughter. Uh, So I grew up like all of us, super passionate about horses. Um, So my parents decided to sign me up for riding lessons when I was about six years old. And that's when I always said that they created a monster because that's when I got addicted to jumping. So I'm a competitive show jumper since a young age. And it kind of spiraled from there. I knew I always wanted to work with horses or be involved with horses. So I wanted to actually be a veterinarian, which is when I went into vet tech school to see what it was like. Mm -hmm. And that's how now today I transformed into a body worker. Awesome. Sure. Um, What brought you to this desire to work with horses and not just have them as a hobby? Uh, Well, you know how many people hate their jobs and just work for the money but day in day out they do the same thing over and over again and um, I love my dad but he is a prime example he did not love his job and as a young girl seeing that I did not want that to be my relationship with my career so I want to um, not work like I'm so passionate about horses that it doesn't even feel like work to me um, you know how you see those like stickers on bumpers, how it says there's no such thing as a bad day. Mm-hmm. That is literally every day. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's something that everybody strives for. So great that, uh, you, and I know I feel the same way and I'm sure Katie does too. <laughs> Although sometimes we scratch our heads at <laughs> the craziness that it brings. So you operate a successful business, obviously then with Arrow Equine. And your client list includes many successful show horses. Why did you want to work as a body worker as opposed to continuing on as a vet tech with these same high performance horses? 
Uh, well, I definitely capitalized on my knowledge. Like, super grateful for the Western medicine, Western side of things. Um, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without my vet tech. Um, and definitely respect its place in the equine industry. Um, but it did stem me going into bodywork. Um, stemmed when I was training super hard for a half marathon, the first one I had ever ran. And I had been working my butt off, not eating the greatest, and training super, super hard. Mm-hmm. So I was young. And I was starting to feel aches and pains in my body that I had never experienced before. Um, so I had a girlfriend refer me to a massage therapist, and I didn't really give it the respect it deserved. Okay. But um, having that massage and having areas in my body hurt where they never hurt before, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the following days after that, getting back into training for the half marathon the pains went away and I literally could feel like my stamina was better. My joint range of motion was better. It was like I had a new respect and appreciation for soft tissue. Um, Going back to being a vet tech though, I would never change it because the thousands upon thousands of soundness exams I watched, you kind of build a trained eye for subtleties. So even like hearing hoof falls on concrete, um, I would see little subtleties like pelvic rotations, barrel rotations, like um, neck excursions um, that the vet I was working with at the time necessarily couldn't answer the question, but he did push me to drive into that knowledge and look into it to further myself, which I am like grateful for. So I definitely evolved my passion off of experiences I've been through, and then that's what grew my knowledge. Yeah. I think that's kind of really interesting that both you and Katie came to this in a very similar way that you had injuries in your own bodies Mm -hmm. that also then precipitated your push to want to learn more about your passion, which was the horses. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And mine is horses don't talk back. People do. So, right. Enough said. (laughs) (laughs) So as someone who's worked now for almost a decade and established yourself as one of the top in our bodywork industry, you've seen both sides of where scope of practice falls between bodyworker and veterinary medicine. What are your thoughts on why this is still a gray line? It seems um, that there's a lot of owners out there that are unconcerned about it. Uh, the one word that comes to mind when I think of this question is just communication. Communication is absolutely key when you're a team member. So being a body worker, you have to be active. You have to be involved. If you're working with horses and cases, you need to have relationships with the, the wellness team. So I always have examples of professional athletes mm-hmm. where they have a huge team of people, whether it's like a nutritionist, physiotherapist, chiropractor, you name it, a doctor. Um, It doesn't take just one of them solely. It takes the whole whole herd of them. Um, And I respect that the veterinarians, especially in Alberta, are aware of the IABWA members and our high standards. Um, So I appreciate that connection that we have. I also appreciate that even the members um, of this association are 
considered professionals, but they also are considered professionals because they've got insurance. So you have large corporations who have insurance for the companies. You have buildings with insurance. You own a car or a vehicle, it has insurance. Our horses are insured. Horses are very expensive, and we cannot, as much as we want to, bubble wrap them. Um, I never want to be that body worker that gets caught up in the what-ifs. Uh, so having an insured professional working on your equine athlete is a complete no-brainer. Yeah, I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I guess being in situations too myself before where I had my butt covered, but there was still questions that you know came up with a horse that uh, had uh, had an issue specifically in one case uh, a potential colic. Um, you know, shortly after doing a bodywork session on it. And when I say shortly, within 24 hours. Um, and so the question did come up, oh, well, could the massage have precipitated this? And mm-hmm. no, it could not have, uh, you know, in terms of the parameters of what happened in that scope. I won't get into the details of it, but absolutely no, that was not a part of it, which then was also uh, solidified by the vets themselves when they went in to do the surgery found that, no, it actually wasn't a colic. It was a very freak thing that was going on in the horse's intestinal Mm. tract. But it still brought to point that, you know, this was a very expensive horse that if I wasn't insured um, and something had come out of that, it could have been a much... Yeah, Mm -hmm. the what if, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know why you would do it without, for sure. But I also think, to me, this is an industry um, that is still based in a lot of history with people that, you know, they're not so concerned as an owner or trainer potentially bringing in somebody that's not insured um, or not necessarily um, educated in, in a certain standard. Because really, it's all about word of mouth and uh, also, you know, a handshake, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't necessarily put the emphasis on those parameters, which we are trying to set up as a standard for our industry because they feel like, Oh, so-and-so said this person is good. It's good enough for me. Um, But that's where I think, you know, what your comment about the communication is so key and just the education, right? Which obviously is why we're talking here tonight. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about this, but what do you say to clients when it comes to them wanting to bring in another team member that may not be properly trained, insured, or qualified? How do you try and educate the owner then? Uh, Okay. So (laughs) being in the industry over a decade, I have not, or I will not talk poorly about any professional. No. So, um... there's like, I've had instances where this has come about and I kind of just nip it in the bud. But what I do do is ask a lot of questions. So the first one that I typically will ask is, did you notice any changes with regards to your horse's performance afterwards? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the time people feel like they have had questions left unanswered. Or during sessions, there was more confusion than there was relief. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of the the personality type that kind of leaves a... I won't leave a rock unturned. 
So I always give value to the client, even though I don't know something, I admit it. Yeah. And then I do my background checks, my research, phone whomever I need to and get back to them. Uh, but the horse industry is very wise. They're humbling in the sense that everyone uses the word of mouth, which is amazing. But horse people are very smart. You cannot lie to them and expect them to believe mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just mainly will ask questions and then kind of snowball it from there. And people usually ask me about my schooling and my knowledge and, oh, how did I get started? And then that will have them spark some questions for possibly that practitioner they've had out. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, it's just knowledge. It's just educating every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's everybody's choice. We certainly aren't trying to sit yeah, here and say exactly. you have to have a X, Y, Z um, body worker from this college or university, not, not university, but a course that they've taken to work on your horse. They have to be just like me. You know, that's mm-hmm. not the idea here, but it is ultimately the owner or mm-hmm. the trainer, whoever is bringing in the, the body worker mm-hmm. to be educated enough to know those things and right. to ask those questions. So yeah, yeah. that's key. But Building. I do love when you say, how did your horse feel after? And I think that that should be a question you ask yourself every single time. doesn't matter who works yeah. on your horse because yeah. that's going to be one of your biggest tells is, did my horse feel great? Did he feel fresh? Was he trying to buck me off? Or right. could we not pick up our right lead? Yeah. Like, or was it back to square one? Or, yeah. 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 Or was there no change at all? Was it yeah. worth your time and money yeah. to yeah. do it? Mm-hmm. And then give that so, feedback to the individual that did the work too, because sometimes, I mean, for sure, there may be things that we miss in a session, um, you know, for whatever reason, or it's a layer of the onion, as Tina loves to say about mm-hmm. taking it off. And so maybe that didn't fix the quote, right lead issue. But that's because we did fix the sternal rotation. Now we need to look at changing what's happening in the, the pelvis. Other, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think, but if you are that owner or trainer bringing the person in and you're like, well, maybe I didn't really feel something, be open enough to have that conversation then with them and say, hey, you know, we're still having this issue. Then hopefully that body worker that you're dealing with should be able to come back and say, okay, cool, glad, thank you for the feedback. But yeah. now we need to, you know, when I did the session, this is what I felt. This is where we're going with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, totally, you know, it's that, happened that's to part me of the communication timing, yeah. though, too. Yeah. So when you're there working on the horse, you're communicating to the owner that okay, you know what, this is what I'm feeling. You might, we might not get it all in one session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might not go for a massage for my first time in a year and expect to walk out of there feeling like a million bucks. Yeah. I might feel a little mm-hmm. better, but I probably am going to have to go back in two weeks. And yeah. the massage therapist told me to tell my husband I have to. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I have to do this. I yeah. have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, for sure. And don't be afraid to talk to them. And I mean, again, we're not trying to say, tell you tell the person they can't use so-and-so totally, but be very, um, confident in your own training and education. And if it means that that individual chooses not to use you again as a professional, that's their choice, Mm -hmm. but don't Mm -hmm. feel, you know, threatened that you can't say anything or be open about, uh, conversing on, on the topic mm-hmm. cause it's not going to gain any of us any ground. And in the end, people will respect you more. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. 
So as someone who sat on the board for the IEBWA now for years, can you tell us a bit about the IEBWA and what their mandate is? Uh, absolutely, Katie. Um, <laughs> so f- I first off want to start off by when I graduated tech school, we had to, there was no option. As you were a registered tech, you had to be a member of a certain association. Mm. So there's the ABVMA, which is the Alberta Veterinary Medical Association, and then there's Triple HT, which is the Animal Health Technologist Association. You had to be a member to practice. You had to register every year to practice. In both of them? Or okay. Well, it started out just as one, but they have now joined forces, mm-hmm. and you're me- I'm a member of both. Okay. Um, so that for me just made me realize the sense of professionalism. So me going into a new industry as a body worker, it was a no brainer for me to look at joining an association to a professional manner with high standards. So the IBWA, so your international equine body worker association is internationally standardized. So through the United States of America, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, etc. Um, and the fact of the matter that the curriculum of any of the members is all veterinary approved, um, which I found to be fascinating, which enticed me more so to become a member. Uh, you do have to have yearly uh, continued education. Um, if you're a member and you don't really know what kind of education you can go to, you can definitely get a hold of me because there are so many options. Oh yeah. Um, there's there's um, types of members, and there is also canine and equine. So not just specific to equine. You can do canine as well because um, the dog world is huge as well. Um, but anyways, you can become a student if you've. Uh, done any kind of body work and you haven't done any of the equinology programs, you would be considered a student from an affiliate school. So if you've done any of those schoolings and you're interested in the IBWA, you can also get a hold of me. Um, and I can kind of talk you through the processes of that. But as well, the IBWA is also covered by insurance, which is huge what we talked about before being stuck in the what ifs, you don't want to be that person that worked on a highly priced horse and then something happens. Um, on the plus side, the code of conduct of this association is, I think, the one thing we are proud of because it makes us as practitioners in our industry respectable for the veterinary association because we stay within the scope of Mm -hmm. practice that we should be. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we already touched on it here. I think a lot of people think that the IEBWA specifically means equinology program. Um, And so they get turned off of it if they think that, well, I wasn't a member or I wasn't a graduate of the equinology program, therefore I cannot participate in the IEBWA. Which, as you mentioned, isn't true. There isn't is true, yeah. an affiliate. There's um, ways to do yeah. around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, a key point just to bring up with everybody here is the fact that you know we're not necessarily promoing one association over another. Um, this happens to be the association that we belong to. Um, 
it's key because, again, just like we talked about, the fact that it recognizes the scope of practice, um, you need to have continuing edge, you need to be insured, and it's something that will help to legitimize body work globally as well because it is a global association. Um, but if you do come from a different schooling and you are wanting to be a member of the IEBWA, great, but also there could be other associations out there. I think the key factor that we're really trying to drive home is that, you know, any association that you belong to needs to have those high standards and it, you know, you have to be able to, they have to be able to uh, advocate for their membership and work within scope of practice. So be very, um, aware of what modalities they bring forth within their membership, because that's going to really affect how then they're able to interact with the vet association of wherever you are, I think. Yeah. So Sarah, why do you feel it's important for body workers to form an association and work towards these goals together? Uh, I just feel like the years of being in this industry uh, definitely needs a solid standardization. And I, I realize that even some of my friends that are human massage therapists, I know that industry also, like Dr. Peterson talked about, they're having their own regulation um, things. But I think for us, we all need to kind of come together and build each other upwards. Like, like IBWA members and a lot of people, you're kind of growing your knowledge as you're learning as well. Um, I definitely, for my own self speaking, I hold a high standard of this industry. So I only go about it in that manner. So I would expect somebody else in the industry to have the same kind of standardizations yeah. for themselves yeah. so that we all come together and it's not a competitive or a place of lack. It's just building onwards and upwards in the industry as opposed to friction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause, and another thing too, um, just in some of the research I've done with the, the, this podcast specifically, but, um, when dealing with legislative changes, no matter what association you belong to individually, we need to work together as an association, as associations, I should say, to follow the mandate being put forth, um, specifically in our case with the Paraprofessionals Act. So in other words, we need to start working together so that we can have this industry recognize us as professionals. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Being unregulated, why do you want to bring forward these changes versus just going along status quo like so many? I know you prefer, <laughs> you've spoke to this already, um, but I think it's something, again, you know, I've looked at it from different perspectives because, of course, we have a lot of people that are listening that don't necessarily or maybe just starting out but or don't have that same um, knowledge base where we're coming from. But specifically horse trainers, farriers, for instance, they are not necessarily members of associations in order to operate. There are associations out there, uh, mainly for farriers, but, you know, they're two very 
two very prominent equine industry professions mm-hmm. that aren't regulated. So I think that brings up a lot of people that question that, well, why should body workers then bother to be regulated if, you know, they don't need to be regulated? Uh, valid. Yeah. Very valid point. Um, me personally, and actually a lot of the equine people in the industry that we all know, they're not status quo. They're not like staying stagnant in one position. The equine industry is always changing. Mm-hmm. We're always pushing the boundaries of all of these athletes. Like we want them to run faster, jump higher, stop longer. So with the industry adapting, I feel like it's like just in us to adapt with it. Um, it's time to realize within our industry as a whole that it's not just body work or it's not just massage or addressing soft tissue. Um, understanding that what can create wellness can also create harm. If you don't know enough or you know too much, there is also that fine line in what is injury and what is harm. Mm-hmm. Um so like I have this in my head all the time. I hear his voice in my brain as I work. Um, one of my mentors, Dr. Kerry Ridgway was an amazing man. Yeah. And he always would say, the more, you know, the more you realize that you don't know. Mm-hmm. So understanding and ex- respecting the body and appreciating the body, 85% of that body is soft tissue. So it's imperative to understand what you're feeling in that tissue what my hands feel and what I know to make changes in it is just from experience. Um, but even just as any practitioner, anyone working in the body and not just the body, um, work industry, but like the industry as a whole is you can't do it all. Yeah. Not at all. Mm -hmm. And I think again, from Dr. Peterson's thing, um, when we chatted with her, they don't want to do it all as vets. No. Mm-hmm. They very much appreciate body workers and mm-hmm. they want them to be able to step up and help become part of the team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they don't Amazing. want to be looking over our shoulder either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so they're very much wanting to have the paraprofessionals act changes in most of them. I should say all of them. I don't want to speak for everybody, mm-hmm. but definitely mm-hmm. the, the vets that I've worked with, um, want that so that, you know, this is another entity, just like you talked about earlier. And there is so many, so many members that create an athlete and body work is just one of them. Mm -hmm. The thing to remember though, is the scope of practice and what constitutes, um, you know, being able to have the full education required to do some modalities that, uh, that, you know, we shouldn't then as body workers, uh, be able to cross that line. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Period. Absolutely. Period. <laughs> Can you tell us about the changes to the VET Act that were proposed years ago? Yes. So for 2013, the ABVMA proposed the Paraprofessional Act. Um, to kind of make the long story short of this act, it was to implement um, a veterinary's approval of, say, like me as a body worker, I would have to have gone through some training with them. They would have to approve the education that I have already. And then I would have had to do some certification 
training, like I mentioned, but it's still staying within the scope of practice. So there's no surgical puncturing the skin. There's no diagnosing, no prescribing any meds, supplements whatsoever, and no treatment. So it's like, this is one thing I did want to bring up in this. And it just like holds close to me with being a vet tech as well is I, and I hear this and a lot of people throw this out there like it's no problem, but people will mention, oh, when I did a treatment on this horse, I did a treatment mm-hmm. here and there. That to me is still like yeah. referring to veterinary medicine. So I'll, yeah. I'll just like ex that word completely because yeah. it just takes me right back to that not working within my, my lines. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Yeah. I think the word I like to use is sessions mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. are, you're doing a session with a horse, Yeah. but, um, by no means are you, as you say, doing a treatment. <laughs> so, yeah. So with the IBWA, then how did they respond when those proposals came up? Honestly, there was no real changes to the association because the way that we're already practicing each individual, um, we're already known, um, through the veterinary world of Alberta, that the curriculum is vet approved, um, that if we were to go forwards with the paraprofessional act, um, that even with some of the schooling that all of us have to become a member, they've already standardized that mm-hmm. is qualified. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think people uh, as well, again, not necessarily that you have to take that quote equinology program. It is a basis for the IEBWA standard, Yes. but um, there are other schools out there that can qualify for this. Mm -hmm. So again, just really wanting to reiterate that to everybody. Um, And it may seem like a lot of headache and paperwork to try um, and get that that standard or the 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 association approval so that you can then become a member. Um, but really, it's so worth it because if if these changes, which they are coming, mm-hmm. um, it's just a matter of time. But then you're you're already recognized as one of those professionals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What came out of the meetings that you had with the vet association? Uh, I feel like for body workers as a whole, it was a huge shift forwards because it, for one, gave them a a concept of what we were about. Mm-hmm. It increased their respect for the standards that we held, the code of conduct, the code of conduct that we structure our association around. They appreciate um, us as members of IBWA, but solely as body workers, the approach to work together with veterinarians as opposed to, like, for lack of a better word, around them. Um, and especially because we met in Alberta, the veterinary practitioners, like the veterinarians of Alberta, um, should feel more at ease with mm-hmm. the awareness of our members. Mm-hmm. Um the one thing that they really implied, because we did ask quite a few questions, um, is they touched on chiropractics, mm-hmm. and they did state that that is uh, veterinary medicine, um, unless they did specialize in doctor of chiropractics. So if a human doctor of chiropractics 
um, went and took further further schooling for animals like dogs and mm. horses specifically, mm. then that is that is different. Um, as well as they talked on acupuncture, and they said again that's veg- uh, veterinary medicine, just the sole reason it's puncturing the skin, which is classified as surgical. Um, and like the be all end all, at the end of the day, our big takeaway was that they should they just. Um, just patted us on the back and said to stay our course with our mission within the industry and just to educate whomever wants to be educated or is not as educated and communicating with surrounding professionals like touching base with all the veterinary clinics around whom we've done and we've done amazing at and they've become aware of the whole association that's great Mm -hmm. thank you guys for doing that for us (laughs) because that's a big that was a big task um, and currently, where are things sitting? Do you know with the, the Vet Act? I know with the change of government and then now change back of government, um, it's a bit ambiguous as to where it's at, but it's still on the table, I'm assuming. Uh, it still hasn't moved forward since 2017. Okay. So that's all they could say about that. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, what do you like to say to people that are just getting into the industry as professionally body workers and question whether or not they should pay for insurance or belong to an association? Um, my main reason now has changed from 10 years ago. Um, I now see it as a big community. Yeah. Um, it's decades of knowledge and experience. It's, it's the knowledge that you can't take back. It's some of the people that I know, what they know, they don't even know they know. Yeah. Um, the never-ending flow of support. If you, or like say I'm out in the field and I can't answer a question, I know exactly who to phone or who to talk to who can answer these questions so yeah. that I know more and that I have that that security in the clients as well. Yeah. Um, and I just like will circle back to this. Horses are very expensive and you never know what will happen to them. So you just want to cover your butt. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if you are serious within the industry and you want to be taken seriously, you need to take the steps of action to do so. Yeah. And that's, yeah. If you want to be serious, <laughs> you want to be a professional. Now, again, obviously people can choose who they want to choose. Um, but it really comes down to us also as body workers trying to work together and really yeah. grow this industry. Totally. So I think your comments there about, you know, having that network of people mm-hmm. is a key component as well. Cause for sure. And there's times where, you know, I, for instance, had to call on you and Bridget and Tina at a point in yeah. my life where I immediately had to drop everything and um, run out to the coast to be with family and uh, wasn't sure how long I was going to be there. And you all stepped up and supported me and gave me um, the knowledge that my clients then were going to be well cared for uh, in those times that I wasn't able to get to them. So, yeah. you know, I think, again, just belonging to and I, I knew the level of care that those clients then were going to be able to get to because I obviously know where you trained. You were, you know, within the same 
association, you still had the same standards that, that I carried as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's another point for all of our listeners that are yeah. body workers, you know, don't feel isolated, you know, try and make sure that you are within a network of people that, you know, yeah. can be supportive like that. And, and also keep pushing you as an individual to be better at your job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You do have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's like my 2020 mantra. Yeah. But it's like, (laughs) it so is because, you know, it's scary. It's scary phoning a veterinary and you don't know. We're talking to a farrier and like, I've got knowledge on the foot, but I'm not a specialist in that matter. And you don't want to step on toes and you don't want to burn bridges, but it's kind of where you got to take that step forwards. And it really, it never gets easier. It never gets like, easier. No. I mean, you think we've been in this you get for so long. And or like butterflies to talk to them. You do. And then you're like, keep it together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> they're, you know, maybe it's somebody you've never met before. Yeah. Um, and you don't know how they're going to um, welcome you as a body worker into the team. Because yeah. there definitely are some opinions out there as to yeah. whether or not it's a valid modality um, for for professional equine athletes, but I mean, that point's been proven, so we don't need to go down that road. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a lecture to the rest of you, but yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you are new to this and you think, oh, I don't know how to start, you just got to start because it just talk to me. You can phone me. You can talk to me. Usually they're happy to talk to you. Usually they are very much and they appreciate the fact that you have reached out and then, you know, you've extended that olive branch and all of a sudden your tree's going to start to grow because that network of people that you can then rely on starts to grow. So, Mm -hmm. so it seems like we're on a bit of a hamster wheel at times trying to validate the work that we do through the professional conduct and working alongside vets, but at the same time, still not having a standard to which we can hold ourselves. What are your thoughts on where we go as an industry from here? Um, the, like you, the word we use lots is just educating, like educating other professionals in the industry, educating horse owners, um, know when you can be of help and then when you need help yeah, or call on help, even just like, oh, this is totally out of my scope. You need to phone your veterinarian. Oh, you don't know who to phone. Here's an amazing yeah. veterinarian. Um, the research is always advancing. Like that's where I wanted to go with, especially the horse industry. Cause that's obviously where I'm at, but the way that the medical field is going and the way that research is going is it's always advancing and always upgrading. Um, like I mentioned before, you're increasing the pressure on those horses' bodies and we as an industry hold a huge factor of a wellness team. So you need to hold those standards even higher on yourself. So like we've talked about before, you just keep continuing to learn continuing to challenge yourself which is that is me saying it as much as I need to hear it um, and even taking pride in your own position in the horse industry just knowing you know what you know and you know what if you don't know it that's when you reach out for help which is um, just like Kim said it's humbling but then you grow from it mm-hmm. and it makes you respect and appreciate other um other people within the field and um the, i just had to write this down this is like the quote that i heard from um 
I don't even remember as a professional athlete, like a human, an NHL player. And he said, if you're not going to challenge yourself, somebody will. Yeah. That's a really good quote. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I, I think agreed that, you know, the way for our industry to grow from here is essentially like we talked about, educate mm-hmm. not only yourself, but your clients um, and try and trying to make sure that you come across in that professional manner that you one have the knowledge behind you you're always striving to to better educate yourself as well but then like you said too and you know just believe in yourself believing yourself is huge um and not saying that you have to take ego uh to an Mm -hmm. extreme with that but just know what you know Mm -hmm. and when you don't know then you call it yeah um having that network of people as well that you can rely on to then pass on to other, you know, your clients in terms of uh, vet referrals, farrier referrals, other body work modality referrals that you might yeah. need to do, uh, rehab facilities <laughs> that you want to. Amazing rehab Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I think, I think that's the thing is just grow your network of people, grow your knowledge, um, and then make sure people understand to a point I really wanted to get across. Not everything is created equal, including other professionals. So again, not belittling or bashing anybody, but making sure that the people involved are educated in what we need them to be educated in with the equine sport athlete. So there are great vets out there. Um, that may not be versed as much in equine athletics that uh, they might be more into the canine field, for instance. So, Mm -hmm. you know, would I call them in an emergency if I had to? Absolutely. They still have a standard Mm -hmm. that that profession has held them to. Um, Maybe not the first one I would go to if I have a horse that's showing neurologic symptoms that uh, I need a referral for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, just, again, being aware of that, um, making sure that the people are coming into the team definitely as well are representing themselves as professionals and that they're not misrepresenting themselves yeah using terminology that they shouldn't be mm-hmm. um or you know putting themselves out there as uh, something that they are not mm-hmm. making sure that they are licensed you know all those sort of uh, all those sort of things. I think that's really where we need to go as an industry is just really push that standard um, mm-hmm. for everybody to to recognize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in um, having you come work on their horse, or if they have any other questions in regards to what we were talking about today? Uh, well, I've got. Facebook, so I have an Arrow Equine Facebook page. I have an Instagram, Sarah Arrow Equine face or Instagram page. You can email me. Kim's got my number. <laughs> you maybe have my number. On speed I'll <laughs> screen her calls for her. <laughs> yeah. Have my people phone your people. <laughs> awesome, and you have a website as well for Arrow Equine. Yeah, arrowequine.ca. Yeah. Awesome. And that will be on the show notes as well. So you can uh, get the contact information yeah. there as well. Awesome. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Well, we appreciate you. you sitting down and talking to us about what... Uh, keeping us warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always. 
<laughs> no, it's been a great conversation, and yeah, we just hope that everybody starts conversing with one another and yes. grow this industry as much as we can. Communicate, educate, be professional. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. We'd love to have you subscribe to our podcast and get all the new episodes. Please rate, review, and share with your friends so we can grow and bring you topics you're most interested in. Contact us through our website or on social media with your engagement. Sarah has also recently collaborated with Burwash Equine Services to launch a new initiative, the Equine Health Symposium. Check them out on their recently launched Facebook page called Better Together with a period. If you're having troubles finding it, uh, search some of Sarah's other social media stuff and she's been sharing some of the content. To close off, we want to reiterate that most vets want to include bodywork as part of any equine athlete's wellness team. It's not about alienation, but creating a distinct line around scope of practice. Vets see the benefits soft tissue work can offer and they don't want to do the body work themselves, but would be happy to refer out. When working with professional individuals who are able to be directly involved in client cases, they view body work as an essential part of the team. Collaborate with veterinarians, build relationships with them, and don't be afraid to approach them. Work with other body workers and don't be worried that you may lose business. Believe in yourself. You've come to this place because you care for the horse and want to better its life. However, understanding your limitations and what you are legally able to do. Do not overstep those boundaries as we as a profession of body workers need to build up the respect of other professionals. Open the conversation with those around you, your clients, trainers, colleagues, and people in the barns. Our desire to see equine body work as a recognized field will not happen unless we work together as a collective. Thanks for joining us today. Reach out to our social media pages for more information on today's episode and lots of extras.